Ladies and gentlemen, the presidents of the United States. Mr. Twain, what do you think of our America now? W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 452. And I'm here once again to help you have not just the best Disney vacation experience possible when you go, but bring you a little bit of that Disney magic to you wherever you are with the podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, the books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So one of my personal favorite areas in any of the Walt Disney World theme parks is Main Street, USA. I think it's a land that's rich in story and history, meaning, and yes, even a little bit of magic. So this week, we're going to look at 10 secrets you may have never known about Main Street USA that just might help you see, understand, and appreciate this land which serves as the gateway to the Magic Kingdom. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a new Disney prize package Then stay tuned to the end of the show for information about our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World and much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us here in the Magic Kingdom are glad to have you with us on this special day. Whether this is your first time visiting us or your 100th, we welcome you to our family of more than 500 million guests. As Roy Disney said on opening day in October 1971, may Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place a magic kingdom where the young and young at heart of all ages can laugh and play and learn together from all of us in the Disney family we hope you enjoy your day here in the magic kingdom the most magical place on earth I've said over the years about how not just everything that you see and smell and taste and experience in Walt Disney World is based on story, 
but how all of these elements are part of many layers of an onion and that as you peel back those layers and, and dig a little deeper to quote mama Odie in a very different kind of way you uncover more and more and these layers aren't just found in attractions but shops and restaurants and even in the environments that you walk through and as you explore and uncover them I really feel like you are rewarded with so many of the secrets that are sometimes just hiding in plain sight. And as you discover them, they serve to not only enhance your experience, but I think your appreciation of the parks as well. So this week, we're going to try something a little new and explore one of those those locations with you and hopefully introduce you to 10 secrets you never knew about Main Street USA and joining me on this journey of discovery uh, like Canada. It's a lifetime journey. He is Ryan P. Wilson slash Matua of MainStreetGazette.com. How's it going? Good, man. And uh, I'm excited to do this because this has always been what has fascinated me about Walt Disney World. It's not just sort of what you see as you quickly walk through or sort of the things that are on the surface, but as you start to go uh, a little bit deeper. And that was really what led to me writing the, the, the trivia books way back when and the audio tours, right? Because I, I wanted to do more with those that what I could do on the show, right? In, in a medium that I think allowed me to talk about them and also include the ambient sounds of the parks and the background to, to make you feel as though you're there, because I understand that people can't get as often as, as they want. So I want to, to allow people to sort of explore with me virtually with that 3D binaural audio in the sound. So if something, if a if the train or a horse is coming up on the right side, that's where you hear it. Um, and I felt that it was appropriate, not just for the, the, the audio tours, but for this to start at Main Street USA, because for me, and I think a lot of people, it sort of is is... It's the hub. It's sort of where this all sort of begins in sort of a, a journey through Walt Disney World, I think. It's that gateway into into Walt Disney World, into the Magic Kingdom. It's typically the first park everyone thinks of. So, yeah, this is your first experience in the parks. This is where you're going to get that information, and it's going to set the stage for you. And it's one of the things that set the stage for the Gazette for me when I started years ago of I want to give you guys these details. I want to you know, tell everyone how to look left, right, up, down. You know, it, it's it's everywhere. If you really are looking for the story, if you're really looking for these, you know, little moments, these little vignettes, it's there. You just have to open yourself up to it. And believe it or not, man, Main Street USA is one of my favorite lands in any Disney park anywhere. And people are like, well, why? I mean, there's there's no real attractions there, and we know you love the food, Lou. There's not that many restaurants there. What is it about it? And and I found that the more I learn about Main Street USA, the the deeper the connections to Walt and the Imagineers and the stories, because I think for Walt, Magic Kingdom began for him on Main Street USA. And and when I've given private tours of the parks and on Magic Kingdom, I would you often, you know, normally a four, maybe five, six hour tour, I would sometimes inadvertently get lost on Main Street in terms of time. And next thing I know, 90 minutes has, have gone by and I've only made my way halfway up Main Street because there is so much there to see. Again, if you sort of peel back those layers of the onions and don't just blow by the train station and the car barn and the emporium and all these little shops and windows, there is so much more to see if you just slow down and take your time and and explore a little bit further. 
Absolutely right. And I think you know, for me, my understanding of Main Street really started when I, you know, the site was the Main Street Gazette. I wanted to, you know, that was the land I needed to immerse myself in. That was the land where I felt at home. That was where I, you know, started my journeys. And so I would, you, you, you can, you can spend gargantuan amounts of time just in one building or just in one corner of a building exploring the stories, exploring, you know, all these little facets that tie you back to Walt himself, to the team that built the park. It's, you know, all the films, all the different, you know, cartoons. It's all there. It's all tangible. You, and again, you just have to open yourself up and go and look for it. Yeah. And I think that however, you know, there's, again, going back to sort of the layers of the onions or the layer of the cake, mm-hmm. if you prefer, you know, it's not just, again, in what you see, but what you hear, you know, the, the music, yep. the color, everything is so deliberate. And, and this is not yeah. just here. It's throughout the parks, right? It is all grounded in story. It's based on story. And there is no way to walk into the Magic Kingdom and read the story of Main Street USA. You have to put those pieces of the puzzle together, which for me is part of the fun, right? Trying to figure out why this is there. Oh, what that number means and what it relates Mm -hmm. back to. That was the goal of the audio tours and me giving people the walking tours. And that's sort of what I want to do here is I want to talk about some of those secrets that you may never have known about Main Street USA. And again, you know, Ryan, you and I don't talk about any of these ahead of time. So I'm very curious. I want to be polite and allow you, my guest, to go first. But I'm very curious to hear not just what's on your list, but where your head went to first. My head went to first and it went it went to the names. And like you said, you know, why is that name there? Why is that number there? And the and to me Thing that's always beckoned me to Walt Disney World or to the Magic Kingdom is that that train whistle. You can hear it off in the distance when you're across the Seven Seas Lagoon or over on Bay Lake. You you come in, you're at the train station. And so the first thing I thought of is one of those secrets is if you go look at the bullet the Times Bulletin Guide, which now is you know video screens and it interacts with the sources of the Magic Kingdom game. But if you're looking on there, you have these de- these destinations like Medfield. Marceline, where Walt grew up, Kimball Canyon, Carrollwood Park, and then they have plaques for each of the trains and tells you, you know, why it was named after, you know, Lily or why it was named after Walt or Roger Brogy. And so you you have these names that you're getting history and you're getting these pieces that tie into some of the films and some of the early history of even Walt Disney with like Marceline. And that's what I love too. And again, because I think a lot of those names aren't necessarily familial familiar to everyone so somebody might see medfield and they go oh wait a minute that's that's absent-minded professor Mm -hmm. i get it or harrington hills or pendergrass plains like i think i know that maybe that's from pollyanna but maybe when they see griffin gulch or sidden city or kimball canyon they don't know either the films or in like ward kimball they don't know who that person was and there is no great like i said great big book of imagineering um sometimes you need to put some of those pieces together on your own or try and find out because again everything is there for a reason everything is very very deliberate so if you see a name there chances are it it references an individual an imagineer a character a story yeah, and, and, and it does, and you, everything can trace back to someplace. And you know, these days, Google is your friend. You can find out a lot <laughs> of that information by just putting in that name. It's going to pop up. You know, oh yeah, that's you know Bullwhip, or that's Pollyanna. You're going to get some of those. But for like Ward Kimball with his you know his backyard train being known as Grizzly Flats, and 
then you have you know, it's going to Kim, you know the Kimball Canyon. So you're going to get the you know you have this animator who was so integral to things like Alice in Wonderland that you know he was one of Walt's nine old men. So he and he had this passion of trains, just like Walt had this passion for trains, and so that is you know a, a, an immediate connection there. And I think the takeaway is not just about the train bulletin and some of those names and some of those places, but as you are going through the parks, and look, especially if you're, if you're waiting on a long line or, you, or you've got a break and you see, you know, the name Keppel somewhere, you when now you can see this multiple places, especially in Magic Kingdom, yeah. you, you should try and find out. And again, you've got, you know, a gateway to every bit of information on the planet, probably right in your hand. Find out who Keppel was, well, who Keppel yeah. Disney is, how he relates to Walt and why he is, why that name is where it is. Uh, and I think that's part of the fun. You know, there's so many interactive games and things to do. There's Sources of Magic Kingdom, but you can really sort of make those kind of games on your own if you take the time and go slow and look up and around and sort of pick out some of those, de- those details that, like we said, are hiding in plain sight. Yeah, definitely. I think that's I think that's our favorite game when we go to the parks. It's like, oh wait, that's a new name. What is that? And sometimes we know it by, by off the top of our head, and sometimes it's like, yeah, let me. Where's my library? I have to go dig through a book. Um, but it is. It, it's it's there. You can, you know. And and I almost feel like that's the game to play in the parks. It's not necessarily as much as I love sorcerers and you know the pirates' adventures. It's it's going through and, and finding. You know, it's what's that new detail that I can that I can uncover and then I can share with everyone. I can share the story and give them a place to to kind of go for it. Absolutely. And, and I'm sitting here thinking as I'm about to get, get to my first one, I'm like, Mangello, you can't do here what you do when you're walking with people on Main Street USA, which is lose complete track of time. And next thing you know, an hour and a half goes by and you're still on the first thing. But I, there's so much that I love about Magic Kingdom. I think the, the Magic Kingdom is so incredibly cinematic um, in, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different layers. And it's a place where, you know, people, we, we talk about going to Walt Disney World to sort of sometimes escape from reality, right? When you cross through those thresholds or those portals or those gateways or that first arch as you're going up World Drive, you escape a little bit from reality. Whereas I think Main Street USA is more of a place of reassurance, right? And I think as we talk about this three-dimensional performance that's going on all around you and that you are, are part of, right? Because that's what why Walt built Disneyland in part was to no longer let you have just a passive 2D experience on film. He wanted you to be an active participant. In, and I think... You know, we, we you know, all the world's a stage. Well, that's exactly what Walt Disney World and Magic Kingdom is. And look, I you know, I could almost start and spend 15, 20 minutes even before we get through the turnstiles, but I'm sure a, a lot of people have heard a, a, in the past about how Magic Kingdom is very much representative of a cinematic type experience. And that happens the second you walk through, swipe your fast pass or your, your, I mean, your magic band or your card and, and step into that courtyard, right? It's like walking yeah. into a theater. How so? You've got that ambient music in the background that's not specifically maybe about the film that you're going to see or the attraction that you're going to ride, but it's one that sort of sets very much a mood. And, you know, the the the, um, the Main Street train station 
is not just sort of a, a an entrance gateway, but it's also a bit of a an intentional non-force perspective used barrier because you don't want to walk in and see the castle right away, right? You don't want to see the yeah. end of the film right away. They want to sort of lead you slowly into it. So what do they do? They roll out that red carpet for you. You get little bits of, of previews of what's to come, not by necessarily what you see there, but how you got there, right? The contemporary is sort of a preview for Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. The Grand Floridian ties very much directly into the Victorian era Main Street USA, the Polynesian to Adventureland, you are home away from home, Fort Wilderness, tying into Frontierland. So you're getting almost little sneak peeks of what you are going to find once you step through that gateway, right? And as you do, as you walk under the train station, as you walk through the archway, it's as though you you have entered a cinema and the lights dim a little bit, right? It's get a little darker. What's the first thing that you see? The posters on the wall, those are the coming attractions, right? Those are the previews. And, and it didn't take me long to turn it to food. Like there is something, man, about walking through that tunnel and the transformation takes place, not just going back in time to turn the century America, but you smell the popcorn, right? Yeah. You, the, the sounds change. You hear the, the train going overhead. So many of these things are so incredibly deliberate to give you that sense that it is a cinematic experience. And as you walk through and the lights come up, as it were, and you step foot onto Main Street USA, that's where that transformation, you know, really does sort of take place. And you do, and you and you can even go back further that as you're coming across from Transportation and Ticket Center, you can see the castle, you can see the park off in the distance. But as you get closer, and as you DM, you know, disembark from the ferry or from your monorail, you lose sight of of that castle. You lose sight of that 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 fantasy. And they were very particular about how those tunnels were set up, so that you're not coming through the middle under the tunnel where you can see the castle. You're coming up, and you're going to see the shops. You're going to see City Hall. You're going to see the, the expedition exposition hall and you're gonna have to filter around the flags around town you know the the, the center of town and then it's gonna be it's gonna be explored out to you you're go, you know and they they use such great film technique with that how they slowly uh, reveal that to you and then they they even went into their filming techniques to build the park where they use forced perspective in the buildings to make sure that it all matches the, the sight lines are are there. Just to give you, yeah, that full-on cinematic experience. And, and you're right, and that's and the fact that it was such a deliberate choice that you have to sort of build your way up to get that grand sort of, and it is a, a very majestic reveal. You've got to walk your way around the town center, and then you get it, and then you stop there. And look, man, you've seen it as much as I have. People literally stopping and and yeah. getting choked up and sobbing at the sight of that castle. Yeah, and it and it works the reverse way. I know I get choked up when I'm having to leave when it's my last day and I'm leaving the park, and I turn around and like it's like one last little salute to the to Main Street and to the park, and and that's you know and that's as you're leaving you know that's you know the credits are rolling as you're going back out. Yeah, it's again these are all sort of things that Walt took from and his Imagineers obviously, but took from their filmmaking experience. And maybe we're sort of touching on things we're going to hit on later, but the use of force perspective, the, the, the names being credits, the reveal of certain things, a multi-sensory type experience, all these things were very much not accidental. They were in, instead very, very deliberate. 
Absolutely. It was yeah, everything was a choice and everything was the the right choice. Even as even down to you know the windows and all the shops being low enough so that kids could see in the windows, even though that wasn't really the size you would have had a window in that day and age. Kids in Lou Mangello did week just to be fair. I, don't oh, need, I no longer need to get up on my tippy toes. I mean, you're, you're, you're taller than my wife, so you got something going for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, so I was very, very tempted to start extracting some of the things we touched on, but I'm sure that they may be on yeah. one of our lists. So uh, I'm going to turn the, I'm going to pass the baton back to you. All right. Well, let's since we're since we really haven't even made our way through the buildings yet, <laughs> let's let's keep going with the train station since I since we stuck we stopped here, but. I thought about the history of the park itself and how up in the train station you have two of uh, the old picture machines from the Penny Arcade, you know, which used to be down on Main Street, and you could go, you could play the little games, or you could do the little picture machines. And there was some musical, there were some musical acts in there, and the fortune teller. And this was a great part I know of of my childhood, your childhood. We loved the Penny Arcade, and it was one of those things that we've lost over time. But some of those machines are still up in the Main Street Station, and so kind of keeping that turn of the century kind of you know gaming you know penny arcade, but also the history of the park intact in there. Yeah, I, and man, it, it, this this segment is is gonna lead. There's so many rabbit holes that I'm trying to avoid going down because all of a sudden I'm like ah penny arcade bright shiny squirrel <laughs> bright shiny <laughs> object. Um, but yeah, I mean those things are there because again. We're talking about when you walk through that portal, you really are stepping back in time and those things are helping to continue to convey the sense of time and place uh, as to where you would be and things that you would see there. Yes, and it's very much of, you know, they went and they found these machines that, that in these shows, these little flip book kind of images that were from that day and age that, that you would have gone and seen. So they wanted, it's, it's setting the authenticity of the stage. It's making sure that, yes, these not only are the types of things you could have seen, then these are the things you would have used then. Yeah, and you'll find that continually throughout. And I don't want to sort of tip my or your hand to maybe yeah, <laughs> some of the other things that you'll see. Um, but We're even, and hopefully I'm not giving something away, but even as you see hitching posts on Main Street, you know, uh, those hitching posts are not there because they are for a practical purpose in, in this day and age, but because they are trying to convey a sense of time and place. Yes, and they down to the fact that they even put, you know, while either ornate and they had the horse's head on them, they wouldn't necessarily have had those back in, back in the, ni- the early 1900s. But that's to kind of give you that visual clue of the horse, there's a thing here, you know, why would that, what did that make sense for? What is that used for? I am. I am so. My mind is just. I'm. I'm it's. It's racing. Like because I'm all. Because I sort of have bulleted points of things that I want to sort of limit my list to touch on. Right. We say ten yeah. secrets. It's not going to be. It's obviously going to be more than ten. Um, We've already hit like seven. Yeah, I, I know. We could sort of stop here, and technically, we've probably get, gotten close to our list of ten. But um, you know, maybe this, maybe the place I want to go is not where I was intending to go originally. I'm sort of going to take a, an accidental left turn because this is why it's fun to talk about this. You know, I think when people step foot, uh, especially people who have a sense of, of Walt and, and history of Disney and history of the parks, they say, "Oh, I get it, man. I, you know, you, we step back in time and we're in the town where Walt grew up. This is a replica of." Marceline, Missouri. Ah, shut up, Mangello. I know exactly what I'm talking about. 
and and it's it, it's true but not true right it's, it's yes. you know disneyland is very much more so designed after places like Marceline, really more like Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, where Harper Goff was from, where Main Street USA in Florida is, and if you've been to Disneyland and Walt Disney World, first of all, it's a much larger, right, in, in terms of scale. Yes. Um, it's a little, I think it's maybe a little bit more prosperous, turn of the century town, but this town exists not in Marceline, not in Colorado, not in the Midwest, but it really exists in sort of a, a nearby seaside East Coast town. And there's a lot of elements that you can find either on an overall perspective or individually that really help sort of pull that together. So, for example, let's sort of start right at the train station. You know, the train station very much resembles a an, a very upscale turn-of-the-century train station that you'd find in Saratoga Springs, New York. Uh, as you start moving down Main Street, USA, you'll see that the color palette is very different. There's a lot more pastels. One of my favorite locations to just stop right in the middle of Main Street, USA, is right in the crossroads of Main Street and what sort of remains of Center Street because here is a literal and figurative, I think, intersection of a lot of different things, right? Because as you are walking up Main Street USA, you are walking forward in time. You, like the town, are expanding from the town center out and sort of continuing to grow. It's getting more prosperous. You can see it outside the buildings. You can see it inside the buildings. I'm, I'm tangenting again back to the center. All right. So if you stand in the crossroads of Main Street and now what is only East Center Street, this sort of showcases some of those different architectural styles, right? You'll find yeah. the, the balconies from New Orleans. You'll find the Widow's Walk from New England. You'll find elements of, of Chicago and sort of those those uh, uh, columns from New York and, and the mansard roofs. And so you're getting a sense of the timing in this sort of late Second Empire, Victorian era, but still specific elements that make reference to the area of the country that you are in. Yes. And so and it, it is it's very much more that the East Coast Disneyland. So they took the East Coast and they took that inspiration very much to heart. And they did. They finally the architectural pieces. At the same time we're going we're moving through time as we come up. So you're seeing things like the lamp posts that move from, you know, the they look more like the gas powered lamps to the electric lamps, the early electric lamps at towards the end of the street. You're getting all this fluctuation. You're seeing the different areas as you're moving Almost from state to state, as you move through that that little square, you're getting these. You know, you're getting some of these more bump out bay windows type types of things that that are common. And it, it, it it's it's setting the stage, but it is giving you that more seaside, gentler color scheme. The, the, the pastels the pastels that you mentioned, but it's it, it it's giving you that East Coast feel, and and it is giving you that evolution as well too right you're revolving from the late 17 to the early 1800s right like disneyland um you know they're sort of based around the, the central squares and then sort of moving uh forward just like as you progress through time as you go from liberty square through Frontierland, that same thing that's happening and you made reference to it like you'll see the gas lamps are giving way to electric lamps sometimes in the same fixture the horse-drawn carriage is on the same street as the auto car right it is right. It's, so it's not meant to represent 
a, a particular town or location, but very much, I think, a, a sentimentalized version of what Walt wanted. This, this very near-perfect, sort of fanciful representation of, I think, sort of all small towns, right, where he had come from, but all small towns in America. Yes, I think it, 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 was, it was so that you recognized something of the town you, you came from in there. You know, I, you know, I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. There are certain window fronts that very much feel to me like an, like an Asheville feel, like a, you know, that turn-of-the-century Asheville piece. There's a piece of your town there, whether it was specifically picked out or it's that it just has that same time kind of a vibe. But it's, it's so that you have that sense of personal history and you're invested in what you're seeing there. And you'll, you know, if you look carefully, uh, you know, you'll see, because look, so much of it came from, you know, look, everything Disney does is fantasy, but based on authenticity. So you'll find actual props and, and lamps from Boston and Philadelphia. You'll, you'll, you'll find decorative design, architecture, architectural elements like the, the gingerbread style trim from cake cod and the different types of woodwork and the cornices and even like you said the decorations in the windows and the etched glass and so you got this victorian era era eastern seaside resort ish feel that is very symbolic and i think going back to what i said at the very beginning it's also very theatrical as well right walt is trying yeah. to embody this what he lived which was the american dream and the work ethic that helped to build this country and you'll and you actually can piece even more of those pieces together as you start to walk through and, and further down main street yeah you definitely can and you know you, and you start seeing some of those pieces and you start seeing you're know, thinking about the building of of this country building of disneyland you know that window right there where we're talking about of uh, of on East uh, East Center Street. You have Walt's father's window. You have the Elias Disney window uh, that you can see. No, that's at Disneyland. Wow, I just totally <laughs> pulled that out of my. <laughs> all right, <laughs> but you but you can see these pieces of of all these people who helped him build this world, and you kind of and it's all starting to come together. Yeah, and, and I think and I think this is why I get sometimes unintentionally lost as it were on mainstream. I don't mean direction lost. I mean lost in the details because you can pull out everything from the architectural design. Look, I, I nerd alert. I spent <laughs> one day literally hours taking pictures of the yeah. light fixtures. Yeah. Because you can look at the different lampposts from the globe lamps to the gas lamps and the brass fixtures and inside the Emporium as they start to get more detailed and elaborate. I mean, it really, it, it really helps pull together this overarching story of a small town that grew from its, its hub in front of the train station and continued to evolve and prosper as you walk your way down Main Street, USA. Yes, this is this is a very lucky town that people have done very well, and, and and you do you see it as the ornamentation kind of expands it together, and you start seeing more things in terms of leisure. You know, at the beginning of the street, it's the Emporium, which is your general store. You have all your general merchandise, but as you get towards the end of the street, now you have all of your you, know, you have the athletic club, you have you know all of these you know the ice cream shop. These are things that were there because they were no longer necessities. We were coming into a period of 
of prosperity where we have a little extra income and, and how would we like to spend that or what, what things, what, you know, what hobbies are we going to use to entertain ourselves? Yeah, all right. So I, I have to stop because otherwise I can just keep on going. The next thing you know, the four-hour podcast is on number four. Uh, we, all right. So we have that problem sometimes. <laughs> all right, so back to you. All right. Um, so keeping with this kind of this theme of, of setting the story, of giving you a sense of time and place, one of my favorite things to show people is to walk inside the chapeau. You know, everyone's looking at their mouse ears and like, no, come back here, come back here. Come and you see this. You know, you see the old phone, and you know most people there like, no, it doesn't have any buttons on it. But you pick up the receiver, and now you're listening to the party line of the of the era, and you have, you know, Annie and her mom talking about buying steaks. You have Miss Flump, who's apparently been, you know, the the eavesdropper because that's how she gets all her gossip. But it's this party line that is a concept that is completely foreign to us nowadays. But it's where. You know, anybody could pick up the line, anybody could talk, and anyone could be in that conversation. But they've set this audio in there so that when you pick it up, you kind of get that feel. You hear like the old crackle in the phone, and it's giving you just one more element to to tie into all of it. I um I love the 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 party line phone because it's one of those things that it looks like it's a throwaway prop. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, especially as kids, we're taught, don't touch, you know, don't touch. Yeah. Where in Walt Disney World, it's exactly the opposite for the most part. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to touch. You're supposed to interact with yeah. your environment. And I, and I love that, that you brought this one up because I think this is one of those things that so much thought and care went into recreating the, this old party line where the neighborhood is just sort of gossiping. But I think it's one that is so overlooked by most guests. I think it is, and I think you know, it's one of those things where every time I pick it up, I get strange looks. People are like, "What is he doing?" Like it doesn't because it doesn't click to them that this is a tangible world. This is a place where you where things are living, breathing, and you can interact with that. You can be a part of that story, and it kind of gives you your own story to tell people. Like I picked up this phone, and I, you never guess what I heard. Like because they hadn't thought to do it themselves. And so while we're here, you got me thinking. Um, and actually, I do a I, I did a video. Um, I'll try and link to it in the show notes, or you could just search for it on um, on the WWE Radio site about this sort of hidden treasure, which is the the phone. But going back quickly to what we talked on in terms of the story and the theming, right? It, this this serves multiple purposes, right? The chapeau ha- is obviously a hat shop where you go and buy your Mickey eel Mickey ears, but it was so important during the early 1900s, right? Because during this time, this Victorian era of, of, of such, and, and I love the, the the dress and how charming it was, hats were very much an important part of the, you know, ladies' ensemble during the day. Yep. And they were very, very elaborate, and they had all kinds of, of feathers. So um, seeing the, the hat shop here, you have to try and imagine, and when you see some of the citizens of, of Main Street, they're wearing some of these large, elaborate yep. hats that you would find in sort of, of a Victorian-era shop like this. And yes, you can purchase one of the hats, but I, I invite you to look up at the pictures on the walls and some yeah. of the props in here that gives you some of those examples. Right. Go out. Go outside, look in the, the shop windows, because the, while there are examples of Mickey ears, there are also these gorgeously ornate hat boxes that with some of these 
hats with these you know great vibrant colors and large plumes on them and you, if you if you take your time you know look at the spools that are hanging above there because those are spools that were that have a history that have a story to them about where the threads came from and how you know these cords came to be it it's all there you, but you have to find the details yourself and really take them in I'm stalling for time, man, because I have my list of five, six, seven, but now I'm like, oh, wait, I want to go back and I want to talk about this other thing instead because there's so many, you know, I'm sort of hanging on a single detail that I didn't include on this list um, that maybe I, I want to go back to because I think sometimes the smallest detail mm-hmm. can lead to some of, all right. Forget it. I don't even have notes on this. We're just going to go with it anyway. Throw it. Let's um, see what we got. We're going. To, I want to go across the street, right, to yep. the Emporium, right? This, this store yes. dominates the street for all intents and purposes. The Emporium is the western side of the street. And yep. there is such an incredible story that is part of the shop. And it really sort of begins very much on the corner. And look, and so if you sort of think about a store evolving, uh, I mean, uh, the town evolving, it starts in the town square. What do you've got? You've got your train station. That's how you get to the town. You've got the hotel, and we'll talk about the hotel that's there. You've got a, a restaurant. You've got the city hall. You've got the car barn. So there's transportation that, that takes you around. And what else do you have? You have this general store that's on the corner. And even before you walk inside, and again, the architecture is ornate and beautiful, but even before you walk inside, I love showing people uh, on one of the the lower windows on the corner entrance, it says Osh Popham, proprietor. And when I would give tours, this I would always stop here and be like, all right, free Dole Whip or Citrus Swirl, just because I wanted a Dole Whip or Citrus Swirl by that time, if you can tell me who Osh Popham was, and yeah. 99% of the time, people didn't know, but this is one of those like golden opportunities to stop and really dig deeper, right? So Osh yes. Popham was a character played by Burl Ives. You may know him from such roles as Frosty the Snowman um, in the Disney film Summer Magic, right? So yep. again, it's according to story. Look up at the... Um, at the plaque above the the doorway, it's telling you that the store was founded in 1863. You know exactly where sort of and when that you are. And Osh Popham and his family ran this sort of general store, much like you found in the film Summer Magic. Like yep. so, it it connects to you know real history and Disney history, and all of a sudden. Like, I love, you know, talking to people and say, I've never even heard of the film. And I'm like, it was one of Haley Mills, like 10,000 films that she did back in the uh, in the early 60s. But that hopefully gets people saying, hey, who is Osh Popham? Why is this here? Oh, wait, I do remember seeing that as a kid. I want my kids to see it as well. And then once you step inside, you can continue telling that story about how Osh started with the small general store and like the town it evolved and grew and i love walking people through and stopping at different locations because there's so much detail on the walls on the ceilings hanging from the ceilings on the floors that very subtly tell the story of ash and his family and the evolution and the growth of the emporium sorry i get so excited no you no 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 i'm totally in your wheelhouse and and you see these things you know and, and Summer Magic was was from this uh, 
it was a book in the early 1900s um, called Mother's Carrie's Chickens, and it was by uh, Kate Douglas Wiggins. And so you see now you have – it was a book, it was a film, now it's in the parks. You start seeing how all those pieces interact. It, it ties into the real-world history. We're looking at the same timeline, and you know, Osh is this proprietor, and he, and he does well, and he learns things along his way. And so you talk back about the music of, of the film where you have the ugly bug ball where he's, you know, passing, you know, he's imparting these words of wisdom to, to his family. And, and you, yeah, you, you get to see that. You get to see how there are different areas where you know, obviously this child, that child took on a role. And it's, it's, it's all there if you're willing to start at the beginning and kind of, you know, candy land your way back and forth through the, through the Emporium to get all of this story. And I'm happy you touched on the music, right? Because, look, we, we – oh, Lou, stay focused. <laughs> um, we could do a whole thing about the background music on Main Street USA alone. But you'll, if you've watched Summer Magic, there's a song there called Beautiful Beulah, which mm-hmm. is one of the background uh, instrumental tracks uh, still to this day on the Main Street yeah. USA soundtrack. Yes, yeah, it's, it's still there. You know, it, it, and it is. It's that piece from the movie. We're going to play it. it. It fits this era. <laughs> Let's just go. Let's just keep going with that. <laughs> All right. Before I continue going down this, this very, very, very deep rabbit hole, I will um, – <laughs> I will I will turn back to you. So let's let's tie let's tie a couple of threads together we've just started. So we've talked about the architecture, we've talked about you know looking up and down, we've talked about uh you know West Center Street and the the audio from the movie. So if you go down West Center Street and you're in there's a couple of tables there, that's where you can do the paper cut out the silhouettes. You can you can take up a you can get a nice chair there. It's a great place in the you know the heat of the day to kind of catch some shade or kind of relax a little. But if you're sitting there and you look up at these windows, there is a call. There's a window for voice lessons. And if you actually sit there and listen, you'll realize the window is open and you can hear the voice lessons happening. So not only do you have the audio where you have beautiful Beulah and Flitterin and all these pieces that you'll recognize from the turn of the century kind of musicals that we've seen from Disney for so long, now you actually have um, you know, quote unquote, live music happening with somebody who's a resident of the town. The profession is song lessons, and they're teaching them music. So I'm so excited. I love this for a million different <laughs> reasons, right? Because it's one of those hidden details that you can. Yeah. Most people don't go down that street unless they have a specific need to go down. Right. It is not just the window itself, but it's it's the prize that you get for taking the time to walk down. You get that yeah. audio track, which is very different in Disneyland. The yes. dentist drill is a little bit yes, less, a little bit more painful <laughs> than the music. But I, I love this for so many reasons, right? And, and and I really am like genuinely, authentically excited because this is the kind of stuff that I totally nerd out about. Yeah. So very quickly, let's let's stand in the middle, right down the middle of Main Street, USA. Because this is where things like forced perspective that you touched on earlier very much comes into play. Looking down towards the Cinderella Castle, you're actually walking slightly uphill. The castle is set higher. It's that visual magnet that pulls you in. You know that the first floor is regular size. The second is about seven eighths. And I think the third is is five six, somewhere around yes, there. Something like that. If you turn back towards the train station, the train station is actually, it's on the the downside of the slope, so it's easier to walk out at the end of the day. It's built to full size, so it looks a lot closer when you're exhausted carrying your diaper bag and tired kids on the way out. 
But if you stand here at this intersection of Main Street and East and what was West Center Street, there's an amazing use of force perspective here that I love because if you're walking down Main Street, normally you're making the dash to splash or the race to space. You're not paying very much attention. But if you look to your right, you'll notice that it's not a straight street, that that dead end somewhere. Yeah. The, the brick pavers actually have a sense of sort of first force perspective on their own and they curve and they sort of disappear behind the building. And the story that it's telling you there is that Main Street USA is not just growing and evolving, moving forward towards the new town center and that wonderful park that they just built there, mm-hmm. but it's growing off to its sides as well. And that curve makes you think like, oh, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what I would find if I went down that street and went around that corner. And yes, it does dead end somewhere, but I think it is somewhat of the same type of visual magnet to a certain degree that the castle is, right? They, they want you to sort of wonder or at least maybe go and explore what might be down that street. Yes, yeah, they they absolutely want you to see that there's, you know, and there were plans, we've talked about this before, there were plans to expand Main Street out and have these different environments as you move out towards, like, you know, the, the rest of the the community outside into the county, but that never came to fruition, but they, they've always want to leave that there is that, that question of what is tomorrow for this community. And just very quick aside, because I can't leave it <laughs> hanging, there, there used to be, you know, so that's sort of East Center Street, there used to be a West Center Street. Yep where the entrance to the Emporium is now. Uh, it wasn't as long or as deep, but that's where um, the the Hallmark card shop was, the, the flower shop was there, um, the, uh, the barber shop was there before yep. it was moved later on. And when they closed that area off, um, it was so neat, right? So <laughs> when, in, when it closed off in um, the late... Um, let's say close off in in the late 90s 90s yeah so uh, the new addition to the emporium was not just taking place that was going to open in 2001 but according to story it was going to reopen in 1901 so the sign right. there said that they were building a bigger and better emporium for a new century and i'm like oh my god that's awesome <laughs> because the new century is 1901 and 2001 and my family's like can we just go ride a ride like enough munch <laughs> so. and you can if you now look over the entrance there it says established 1901 showing that that was the first sort of major expansion not just to main street in present time but Ash Popham's first sort of right. big expansion of his store, right? And it was and it was that time of okay, you know, we have we're, we're kind of flush and we're doing well. We're going to add in and and now we we have all these neighbor shops, but we still have room to expand on our own. Is it my turn again? No, I think it's my turn. <laughs> oh, thank you, God! You took I, that I, and I you went I, with the first perspective. I think so, I hijacked but I'm gonna, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to cheat a little, and I'm going to kind of tie two pieces together. Um, so one other great, you know. One of the great things is that I it is looking at the layout of what of what the the street actually looks like and what shops are where and what places are where, and if you really kind of think about it, you really you most Americans are used to driving on the right hand side of the road, so we tend to as we're walking stay to the right hand side of our road. There's a few exceptions. Some of us like to veer to our <laughs> to the left lane, but we're passing. It's fine. But if you look at the layout of the land, you see that. Most of the restaurants from when you're coming into the park, the bakery for breakfast, the confectionery, the plaza, 
the uh, Tony's Town Square. They're all on the on the right hand side as you're walking in from the front. They also were very clean. Here's the second piece: is that I want to beckon you into these into these restaurants. So let's go ahead and put the smellitzers in there. So you had these the smell of these fresh baked goods or the ice cream cones that were just freshly put together. And so they're beckoning you in multiple ways. They're putting it right in your line of sight, and they're going to put the smell right in your nose's line of sight. Your nose teeth, I guess, is how we're going to call that. <laughs> but then at the same time, as you're leaving the park, if you're on the right-hand side, now we're in all the shops. Now we're on the Emporium side of the street. We're leaving, but here's all these souvenirs. This is our last chance. Let's get in here and buy something before we go. So it was a, it's very, very cool how it's laid out for the, you know, in the most part, you have, you know, you have the one or two pieces that like, like the art of Disney or Casey's that kind of change that up a little bit, but it's that very conscientious level of what are you going to be looking for at what time of your day when you're coming in or out of this park? Dude, I love this. I love the psychology behind the technology, right? Yeah. Because everything is so very deliberate, they didn't place these shops and these dining locations there accidentally by any stretch of the imagination. And actually, one of the things that they did to even further enhance this was when they, moment of silence for places like the House of Magic and all the things that we lost and the clock shop. and the, But when they expanded the Emporium um in the late, I want to say 96, somewhere around that's not, there. That, that, I think that you're right, yeah. They did something that was a subtle change from the outside, a bigger change inside, that dramatically changed the experience for guests and dramatically changed the experience for Disney. And it used to be, and, and, and think about it this way, so... Yeah. It's the end of the day, you're walking out, and your husband or your wife says, oh, honey, I just want to run in, I want to grab one little souvenir. They would run into the first store because the first store might have been the House of Magic. They got to get something for right. little Ryan. And then they would come out and run down to the next one because they need to get something for the baby. And go down to the next one and get something for your aunt. Well, because they were all individual stores, when they took yeah. those out and made it one giant store, they broke down the walls in between. Yep. So now when little Ryan says, hey, honey, I want to run out. I need to get one thing. Forget it, man. He's gone because he's <laughs> going into that store from the first entrance behind yep. Casey's Corner. And those same visual weenies, those, those visual things that lure him into the next section are easily seen. So once yeah. he goes in, he's not coming out until he gets to <laughs> town square out by the firehouse because everything is broken up into sections. There's a very deliberate psychology behind what is put on the end caps, what is put high up so that you can see that brings you into the next section. Those subtle changes that were maybe not as conscious to the guest had a a huge impact on the buying experience because it wasn't like, come on, we just got to go. We're not going back into another store. It's you're in there and you're able to go from section to section, get all the things you need, and you don't come out until you're done. And other companies have leveraged that um, psychology behind the yep. technology and said, how do you do it? How do What do we put here to not only bring guests into the store, but to keep them there? And you could imagine how you know revenue must have increased as well. Oh, definitely. This was, this was a, a very keen you know, idea of, this, if, if we can keep them in, we've opened up not only the shops themselves, but every 
every connector between the different the different sections, the different stores, are very large, open. There's a lot of air, so you can see what's in that next section. Like, oh, wait, okay, uh, well, over there I see, you know, some some girl stuff. I need to get that for, yeah, my niece, or I need to go into that section because that's sportswear. You know, I have this teenage cousin over here who needs this, and it, and you just start thinking of all the places that that it's gonna go and. You know, they have the, the mannequins just up really well. So you're like, yes, I can totally see someone wearing that or totally, you know, I need to get that back scratcher because it's the classic thing I've never gotten. And they're, they're very keen on how they've done that and how they've orchestrated all of that flow. And it's just, it's, yeah, that psychology behind the technology of, of going, we know where they're going to be. We're going to know what they're going to want and we're going to give it to them right there. So it makes it easy for them and easy for us. That being said, I always take a moment and shed a silent tear for the House of Magic every time I'm on Main Street. You say maybe not so much for the tobacconist shop, but always for the. There was it was a tobacco yeah. store. No, I know. I know one of my favorite collectibles is I have actually a cigar box with the um, with the brand of the Walt Disney World, the old Walt Disney World logo on. And when you open up, it still sort of smells a little bit like tobacco. That's that's awesome. <laughs> no, In one way, it's awesome that you have it. I'm glad that it's not really there anymore, but it's awesome that, that there's still pieces of it that live out, that live on. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, oh my gosh, is it back to me already? It's back to you now. Yikes. I'm so frightened, especially since <laughs> this segment is running so, so very long. Um, I'm not sure what, what number we're. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe, what, should I just make this the last one? Um, maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, man, I wanted to, I really wanted to talk about the hospitality house um, a lot because I, I love the history of that building. Uh, let me ask you this. Were, did you have any windows specifically that you were going to touch on or any other reference to the windows? No, I was going to leave the windows kind of alone. Like I kind of feel like the, you know, the only thing I had is that they tell, their, you know, they tell the story like the empty lot. You know, you have things like that that kind of tell the story of the parks. But mostly, I think it's what we kind of talked about earlier. If there's a name there, there's a reason for it, you know, you can find it yourself. All right. So the only thing I, I will just say is I, I want people to to take the time and look at and, and, and research some of the names in the windows. But the one that I want you to find is at the intersection of Main Street and Center Street. And I want you to look on the east side of the street for the tallest window that you will find anywhere on Main Street USA. And it's not Walt Disney. It's not, you know, um, it's not anybody else. It's probably a name that you don't know. And it's Frank Wells. And it reads, Seven Summits Expeditions, Frank G. Wells, President, for those who want it all. And this is a really important window, I think, because it is the highest window on Main Street USA, and it's not given to Walt. It's not given to his parents. It's not given to an Imagineer. Um, Frank Wells is one of those names, Ryan, that I think a lot of people don't necessarily know. He was the the one-time president and chief operating officer of, of the company, but really he was sort of like the right-hand man to Michael Eisner, and this is not right. a comparison. It's an analogy. You know, there was Walt and Roy. There was Walt, the, the idea man, the, the face of the company, the voice of the company, the creative of the, of the company, who had his Roy to help balance Okay, Walt, that's fine, but how are we going to pay for this? Let's figure, how are we really right. going to execute it? Frank Wells was very much that to Michael Eisner. 
And the reason, and I don't want to go off on a tangent talking the entire story about what he did, but, you know, while he was there, the company really had an incredible amount of growth and revitalization. And the the window is here paying tribute not to what he did for just to what he did for the company, but him as an individual, as many of the windows do. Um, he had sought out to do what nobody had done before, which is climb the highest mountain on each of the world's seven continents within a single year. Uh, and he almost did it. And he actually, there's actually a book called uh, Seven Summits. There's actually a, a, a sign for Seven Summits expeditions in Animal Kingdom. Um, but unfortunately, he passed away in a helicopter crash um, in 94, I, I think. Uh, and his loss was not just obviously a great personal loss, but a loss for the company as a whole. Um, I think a, a huge loss for Michael Eisner. This could be a, a separate discussion yeah. for a separate show. But I, I want you to sort of look for that window and learn a little bit more about you know who Frank G. Wells was and the influence he had on the company too. Agreed. Because there is so much there, and we do. We recognize the name Eisner. We know Roy Disney, but he is equally as important to the history of the company. And yeah, you think of what they, the Eisner-Wells combo could have done had he lived. And, and it's just astounding to even think about. But yeah, you're right. That's maybe, maybe a discussion for another day. But, but yeah, please take time to learn about, to, to do some digging on Frank Wells. All right, so I went longer than I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I guess it is, uh, I, I guess that was my, my one. So do you have any, you have one more? I have one more, and it's it's going back to Town Square. So look, hey, we're we're turning around. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave the park now. But I w- I wanted to, to note the fire station, and you know it's been many shops over the years. But if you go in there, there are these you know route. Now it's the the destination for Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. But but if you walk inside, you can see on all the walls there are just case after case of these patches, and they're from fire departments all over the country that have been gifted to Disney and who and firefighters who have brought them in. To, to Disney, and so this is kind of their their you know their nod their their sign of respect to the firefighters and what they they mean to all of our communities all over the the country, and that's where they get displayed as they're brought in. So that's a piece that I think people should go and take time to look at, and you'll see if you can find one from from your hometown or from your area, because there's so many of them there, and it's such a wonderful full expression of of gratitude that I think it does need to be you know highlighted. Oh man, how can I say anything after that? That's just way too awesome. Like all in a, I wouldn't. I, I feel like she just dropped the mic and walk off stage and end the segment right here. But uh, <laughs> just because I because I am just enjoying geeking out on this way too much. Um, the, the the last thing I wanted to touch on is a building that I think is often overlooked. Um, but again, I find myself stopping here and and telling stories about this place and this is not meant to sound like a shameless plug I, I talk more in depth about it on the audio tour but when you walk in and, and and Ryan are you the same way like when I walk into Magic Kingdom I always enter in from the right hand side and I always leave from the right hand side like I, I I don't think I've ever entered except maybe like one time on the left hand side it's just sort of tradition for me and it's how sort of I want the story to be told and the the town square, well, it's it's now where obviously you you meet Mickey and Tony's town squares. This building was originally known as the Hospitality House. It was the Gulf actually was sponsored by Gulf Oil um, until the early um, early nineties, I think, probably ninety two, ninety three, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And 
I love this building not just because of the Victorian architecture, because it's one of the few buildings that is not using forced perspective. It's right. built full height. Why? Because it's trying to block your view of the contemporary hotel because it would ruin the illusion that you are in Victorian or Main Street, USA. Um, but there's something that I think is so welcoming about this, which is very deliberate, right? Because the idea is if you came to this new town to either visit or plant your roots, you'd get off the nearby train station. You would need a place to stay, right? You'd, and this Gulf Hospitality House was meant to look like a hotel. And actually, at one point very early on, there were designs by uh, Dorothea Redmond, who was an Imagineer, to make this actually a hotel. Um, yep. There were because there was tons of space behind uh, that side of Main Street USA. But this building is so rich in Walt Disney World history. Um, the Walt Disney story was there. Um, the the old Bill Justice mural was back mm-hmm. there. Um, the it was the Epcot Preview Center. Hoot Gibson was there. Yep. It was the Welcome Center. Um, do you remember the old Disneyana collectible shop? Yes. Like you used to be able to buy, and again, remember this was the early seventies. Uh, collectibles maybe weren't as popular, but you were able to buy original hand painted animation cells. Um, you were able to buy um, very, very unique Disney collectibles here. This is also where you went to go make your reservations for the Diamond Horseshoe Jam <laughs> Saloon Show, uh, which my dad loved this. I think maybe this is why subconsciously I go back here. Um, you know, now, obviously, Exposition Hall has, has changed through the years. And if you remember when it was sponsored by Kodak, they had all the uh, the Hall of Still Images and the yeah. two shows and stuff in there. Um it's unfortunate to a certain degree that the Walt Disney story isn't there and he, and that Bill Justice mural is um, closed off. But even now, like when you go to meet Magician Mickey, there are so many. <laughs> I remember the first. Uh, sorry, quick story. The first time I went to meet Magician Mickey, I was like, listen, man, I know you are like the big cheese, but I'm honestly here to take pictures of all like, the props and stuff in here. So he was—he looked at me. He was like, "Dude, seriously? Like I'm Mickey Mouse? What'd you wait online for?" And I'm taking pictures of Madame Leota's crystal ball and yeah. some of the references to other uh, Disney films. Yeah, you have the the picture of the hand-drawn like kids picture of Mickey and Oswald that was done by Jason Grant. Um, I did the same thing. I actually went in there with <laughs> I was there I was there with Tony's kids. And they were meeting Mickey, and they're all getting pictures over here. I'm turning around taking pictures of every other thing in the room. I'm like, you guys are just like my guys. Like, you guys are just gonna gonna take the time. I like goof around, take as much time as you need because I got to get all of this over here. Um, but it is, and you can see, you know, the doors from the Walt Disney story that lead back out onto West Center Street. You know, back where we were earlier. You had, yeah, it was. It is. It's one of those places that I that I do. I love to go in and just think about. I'll go and just stand in that little rotunda area right there in the opening and think about, well, at one point in time, this is, you know, this piece was here or that was the hallway to the Walt Disney Story. And then later it was, you know, these cutouts where you could kind of pretend like you were in Steamboat Willie or 101 Dalmatians. I loved the old cameras that you used to be able to do when it was Kodak. There's always been so much history in that building that, it yeah, it's one of those pieces that I I love what it is today, but but I still reminisce very fondly about what it was before. Yeah, I mean, I remember as a kid going through and seeing so many of the the props, and there was a, a there used to be a huge 
uh, skill model of the Nautilus from yeah. 20,000 Leagues. Um, Walt's um, Snow White Oscar was there. So there was a lot of displays. I, I remember um, there was audio and music and sounds from yeah. the classic theaters, and then there were those the theaters. And if you've never seen the Walt Disney Store, I think they I think you can get it on DVD. Um, so I think they put it out on DVD at, at one point years ago. Um, so. <laughs> Check your local eBay store. Um, <laughs> but it was always changing, right? And I think that's one of the things that was really cool. And I remember um, when, and I guess this has to be, so I'm trying to sort of think of dates when I was seeing it, but in the 70s when Hoot Gibson was yep. talking about how the Western River Expedition yes. was yes. coming, and obviously, we know the story about how and why it didn't come and how, you know, I'm going to be the star of this new big project that's coming. I wonder where that Hoot Gibson audio animatronic is, uh, <laughs> is today. But I remember when it was the preview centers for Epcot and, and the studios, yep. too. Yes. And, the, and, and it, yeah, it was always that area to go of what was next. You know, that once we had done away with the, with the preview center you know, off property or on the edge of property, as it were, in Reedy Creek, this was the place to go to see what was going to be Epcot, to see what was going to be Frontierland. And it, it did. It gave, you that, it gave you that sense of, okay, this is, this is the hub of everything because this is where everyone knows what's, you know, what is and what today and what's coming tomorrow. So it's, it, yeah, it's just a fascinating, fascinating place. And look, you know, we've talked at length, possibly ad nauseum, I apologize, <laughs> um, but I do, I get excited for Main Street USA, which I, you know, you might think is like the least sexiest land in, in in Magic Kingdom, but we've really only touched on so much that is there. So much of the stories of the buildings, the the overarching story of the land itself, how it transitions to other locations. Again, I don't mean to make this sound like a plug, but I guess it is going to be a plug. I do touch <laughs> on a lot of these things on my Main Street audio tour. If you go to www.radio.com and click on the shop link, you can find it there and or in iTunes. I have not just Main Street, but all of the lands in uh, Magic Kingdom. Here's my here's my legal disclaimer. Um, <laughs> you know, because I made some of these years ago, they are more like snapshots in time. This yep. is always a uh, a very fluid, moving place. If you're downloading the Toontown CD and are looking for Toontown, you might have a tough <laughs> time finding it. But it, it does sort of touch on you know what things were, not just when they came out. You know, last year I think Tomorrowland came out last year, and the other ones came out a few years ago. Um, but how the parks have evolved, but still, you know, the importance of the story and the details and how important and deliberate things really are and the love and the care that the Imagineers put in there. So this is just sort of a small taste, hopefully yeah. to whet your appetite to, you know, if you have time to slow down and talk to cast members and listen and touch and let yourself be a kid again. And I think the more you know, the better your experience will be. I, you're 100% right. It, it, it is. The more you know, the more you see, the more you interact with the world you're walking into, the, the richer your experience is going to be and the more you're going to take home it, you know, a sense of enjoyment, a sense of value that you got out of, out of your time there. And you know who else loves Main Street? 
Who? The guy who writes the Main Street Gazette. And I don't mean just the newspaper that used to be there. I mean the current Main Street Gazette (laughs) over at MainSTGazette.com. That would be you, Mr. Wilson Matua. That would be me. Main Street Gazette, uh, you know, try to keep it up three or four times a week right now. And but you can always catch us on Instagram, Twitter, Main ST Gazette. And you know, if Disney ever wants to, you know, relaunch the Main Street Gazette, I think I know <laughs> of somebody who would help them with that. I don't know. Yeah, and please uh, and show Ryan the love. And listen, if you like this segment and would like to hear more about some of the secrets of the different lands, not just in uh, Magic Kingdom, but throughout the parks. Uh, This might be something fun that we can continue to do, some of these secrets that maybe you never knew that are sometimes hiding in plain sight. So, Ryan, my friend, uh, I always love reminiscing with you and and geeking out with you. And, and, you know, sometimes our experiences in the parks are, are not about the attractions, dare I say, not about the food, but sometimes just enjoying um, the experience of, of being there in person or like here virtually. Yeah, it's always it, it. To me, it's almost always a matter of who are you there with that makes the memories, not what you're doing. Possibly what you're eating. Just, uh, pop, I, did, just I let the food out because food popcorn is on Main Street makes your experience better. I promise you that. Grab the popcorn, wander around, listen to this episode. You'll be great. Ash Popham loved his popcorn. Haley Mills, huge popcorn fan. I don't know if the best collection, the largest collection in the world of Main Street popcorn buckets. Time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week. I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter via email or our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So, on the last show, just in time for the 4th of July celebration here in the United States, I asked you a question about the Carousel of Progress, where the 4th of July is one of the four holidays that is celebrated in that theater in the round. Because in the 4th of July scene, Dad and Sarah are going to the Ladies Club 4th of July celebration that night, and they're going dressed as George and Martha Washington. But next year, Dad wants to do something a little different possibly a little bit more embarrassing to the kids and your question last week was to tell me who does father want to dress up for for the next 4th of July celebration and rather than me tell you let's let father tell you himself Sarah's ladies club is responsible for our town's 4th of July celebration tonight she's got us all roped into performing in their program and I've decided we're going as George and Martha Washington Oh, the father of our country. <laughs> That's a role that really fits me. You know, I'm I... so glad we installed an electric light fixture here on the porch because it's just too darn hot to be sewing inside. Yes, Sarah. You know, next year I'd like to go as Benedict Arnold. Wait <laughs> until you see what I've got planned for the fireworks show tonight. Robert, don't interrupt while Sarah's interrupting. And guess who volunteered to choose the music for the program? <laughs> I did, Pop. Listen to this. So the correct answer was obviously Benedict Arnold. I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one. And again, last week you were playing for my 102 ways to save money for and at Walt Disney World book. 
all seven of my virtual audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WW Radio Magic Band cover, and a bunch of WW Radio stickers. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Ed Ramirez. So, Ed, congratulations. Send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Let's move on. Let's keep moving forward because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So in this week's segment, we talked about not just the influences on Main Street USA that are both real and imagined, but references to stories and films and characters, etc. And one of the aspects of Main Street USA that I love seeing over and over again is the Good Morning Welcome Show at the train station with the characters and some citizens of Main Street before the park officially opens. And I think that Good Morning song just sort of puts you in the mood and a smile on your face and and kind of gets you ready for the day ahead. And you might not know that the song is not one that was an original one created for the parks. Instead, it originally came from a 1939 Busby Berkeley motion picture which was based on a Richard Rogers musical comedy. And that's your question for this week. What was the name of the film that the Good Morning Song in the Magic Kingdom came from? And I'm going to give you a hint. It actually was sung and is featured in a duet performed by an actress that could be found in Walt Disney World in audio animatronics form. So this audio animatronic figure, I'm not her, the character, the actress she was based on, sang in a duet that Good Morning song in this uh, this Busby Berkeley 1939 film. So again, your question is tell me, what was the name of the film that the Main Street USA Good Morning song came from? Now, because this one is a little tricky, it's going to make you dig a little bit deeper. I have an extra prize for you this week. So you are going to get the 102 Ways to Save Money book, all seven of the virtual audio walking tours of the park, a Magic Band cover, some WWE Radio stickers, but I'm also, because we're going to dig a little deeper, I'm going to give you a special prize. I'm going to give you one of the new insulated WW Radio hot and cold travel mugs, which is not available for purchase on the shop or anywhere else. It is exclusively as a prize. So again, all you need to do is tell me what was the name of the film that the Good Morning song came from. You have until July 17th at 11.59 p.m. Now there's two ways to enter. You can email me to contest at www.radio.com or better yet, go to this week's show notes at www.radio.com. Click on show 452. There's a form right there that you can enter, put all your information in. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. And I need to start off by saying thank you once again for sharing your time with me. I had a lot of fun this week. I hope you did as well. And I appreciate you spending some time with me and Ryan sort of virtually traveling through Main Street USA and kicking out just a little bit. Uh, Speaking of thanks, I also really want to thank so many of the new members of the WW Radio Nation family. We had so many new people join up in the past month, including Kristen Davis, Benjamin Zimmerman, Chris Edinger, Justin Boyd, and AWOL X. I appreciate you guys so very much. Looking forward to sharing some fun experiences in the nation community with you. And if you want to help the show and get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, access to our private Facebook group, personalized magic band cover, 
logo gear, t-shirts, care packages from Walt Disney World, and lots more. Please visit www.radionation.com. We also have exclusive live video group calls every month and lots more. It's completely optional, but a great way for you to help support the show and get some cool benefits on the side. And don't forget that a portion of your proceeds will go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Again, for more information, visit www.radionation.com. Also, don't forget that while you're on the site, please be sure and check out our amazing team of blog writers. We've got new videos. Subscribe to our newsletter. Got some really cool things that are coming up very, very soon. Going to announce them in the newsletter probably first. Also, don't forget to please join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live, where I broadcast live on Facebook, not just audio but video as well, whether it's from my home studio or in the parks. It's a great way to have really a two-way live communication. Thanks to everybody who followed along with me on Facebook this past week as I traveled through three parks in one day and shared some of the new experiences in Walt Disney World. If you missed those videos, you can find them on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash But follow me there. Tune in every Wednesday. Be part of the conversation. Always have a lot of fun. Really uh, a great sort of community building kind of thing that we do every week and we also usually play a game with prizes not to try and bribe you but maybe i'm trying to bribe you all right so uh in addition to connecting online and i am at lou Mangello on twitter and facebook and pinterest and everywhere else uh i love connecting in real life because nothing beats a handshake and a hug and our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World is going to be this upcoming weekend, July 17th. We're going to go over to the Art of Animation Resort and one of my favorite food locations in Walt Disney World because, of course, it has to be around food. The Landscape of Flavors, that's going to be Sunday the 17th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. You can come for breakfast, stay for lunch, come by yourself, bring the whole family and is free, obviously, and open to everyone. Again, if you visit the events page over at www.radio.com or at facebook.com slash WW Radio, please let me know that you're coming. Also, you can find out about upcoming events like our e-ticket adventure and cruise from New York City to Puerto Rico this November. And next year, I am super excited for our June double-dip cruise to Castaway Key, five nights on the Disney Dream. You can also visit www.radio.com slash 2017 cruise for more information. We also have upcoming meetups at uh, running events, uh, marathon events in Walt Disney World and around the, the country. And if you want to be part of the running team or just come to cheer, visit www.radio.com slash running. I'll also be traveling in the country, dare I say the world, to be speaking uh, to some schools and conferences and at events. Uh, you can visit lumangelo.com. And if I can maybe help you by coming to speak to you or for you at one of those locations or help you with building that that thing that you love and turning your your passion into your profession you can find out more about some things that i offer at lumangelo.com thanks as always to mouse fan travel they are my official and recommended travel provider not just because of the amazing service not just because it's all fee free to you but it's that personal service and that personal attention that becky and her team of agents give to every single person that they work with visit them over at mousefantravel.com and to get a little bit of disney magic delivered right to your door or device visit celebrationspress.com as always my friends and you you are my friend whether we have met yet or not all i ask is that if you like the show Please 
Help spread the word, right? Let others know about it. Tell your friends about it. Share links over on Facebook to your friends or in groups or on pages. Uh, And please take a minute to rate and review the show over on iTunes. It is incredibly helpful. Thanks to you. We have more than 1,200 five-star reviews. Please keep them coming. I want to thank some recent reviewers, including Murphy M. from Louisiana, who says, Hey, Lou, thanks for making our week a little better each and every week. Jay Rigmau says, he's been listening since my very first podcast in 2005, and uh, the podcast and the meets can't help but make you happy. And the uh, the special way of describing experiences is unique in the podcast world. The show is a true gem. KBW101294, I'm sure that number means something to you, said he just stumbled across the podcast because he was searching for something that would give him a Disney fix. The show is the perfect perfect podcast for that it's fun engaging loves how we involve listeners like you in the show thanks to all of you who have rated review the show if you want to leave a quick review you can visit www.radio.com slash itunes for a link and instructions and finally and most importantly again i could not do this uh without you the fact that you are listening to the show uh, empowers me and, and affords me the opportunity to share my passion for Disney with you. And for that, uh, I am grateful to you beyond words. So if there's ever some way that maybe I can help you, please let me know. And I just want to leave you with this one thought, which is to please always try and find the positive in all that you encounter. That It's, it's how I live my life in, in business and my personal life and just every single day and even when I go to Disney because I think when you focus on the positive, the, the thoughts and the emotions, they allow you to take positive action. They bring about positive results and I think not only will you feel better but you make others feel better as well because I think positive thinking is uh, contagious in the best possible way. So I hope that you have an amazing, memorable, very, very positive week this week. So until next time, have an amazing week. See ya. Hello, Lou. My name is Juliet, and I wanted to call while I am getting ready to go make magic as a cast member and the service of Master Gracie this afternoon. And the best and most motivational way to refill that pixie dust cup was listening to your show. So I'm having a fantastic time listening while getting ready to your top 10 things you must do at least once. So, I have two to add, if you don't mind. A lot of guests are unaware that there is a flag retreat ceremony in the Magic Kingdom. And as a military spouse whose husband is deployed at the moment, it is not only emotional, but it's also inspirational. So, I wanted to add that. And number two, uh, again, many of us don't know that at any concierge in I love Disney World Resort. You can walk up and ask for a printout of a treasure hunt, if you will, of hidden Mickeys in that resort. My son and I, 21-year-old son and I, just a few days ago, went to the Animal Kingdom Lodge after eating at Sanaa, of course, because we can't pass up that bread service more than uh, one week in a row. And we got the, the printout, and it's fabulous because they're all rhyming clues and they're quite difficult to find some of them but at any resort you can get that printout of Hidden Mickey so you could spend a morning and afternoon and evening in between snacks with the chocolate still on your face while searching for Hidden Mickey's in the resort. So those are two of my top 10 things that a guest cast member um, must do at least once. 
in your Walt Disney World adventures. Thank you very much. Thanks for keeping the Pixie Dust Cup full for both guests and cast members with every each and every show. And have a super califazistic ex-galagricious day. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Mark. I wanted to give you some of my bucket list ideas for Walt Disney World that I think are great. Um, one of them is um, stay at Disney on December 31st night and celebrate New Year's celebration. I've actually accomplished this um, bucket list of, in my list, and I did it on 1999, so I got to see the, the zeros flip, and that was really, really fantastic. That was actually the first time I um, brought my wife to Disney World when we were before we were married, so that was a really special time. It was really, really great. Um, my second item, I think, if some people haven't tried it, you know, many people go to Disney World, but I don't think a lot of people play a round of golf, like the real golf. If the, if the Magnolia or the Palm, if you haven't done this before, it's a real treat. And if you don't, if you don't play golf, this is a really good excuse to learn to play golf and go try those courses. It's really, really fantastic. Um, they're very well kept. There's a nice Mickey sand trap out there. You can actually see Big Thunder Mountain and the castle and all that. It's really great. So I love that. Play around the golf. Um, um, one of my bucket list items coming up is to finish the Walt Disney World Marathon. And then one thing I think that might be pretty interesting to try is it's not at Walt Disney World, but if you if you can go on YouTube, if you haven't experienced some of the older extinct attractions, try to find as many as you can and and ride through, if you will, on your screen some of the old extinct attractions that you haven't experienced and see what Disney World used to be like, and even Disneyland. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff up there, like World of Motion, Journey into Imagination, Horizons, parts of Spaceship Earth, Living Seas, all that stuff. It's really, really great. So I, I advise doing that and checking that off as a bucket list item. Anyway, take it away. Starts it with our supper. 
friends. Here we are together, ah, but the best of friends must party. So let me sing this parting song from the bottom of my hearty. Good morning. It's a lovely morning. Good morning. What a wonderful day. 